0: Hey gang, this is Place LA, and I am Teddy Deef, your host. I've had so much coffee. it's midnight. Let's do a podcast We are in episode two. I officially did one. I'm doing another. Uh, this week, my guest is going to be Brendan Chung, uh, who's a fellow developer with me at Glitch City. We work on totally different projects, but we work together every day, so we're kind of buds. Uh, but there's still so much I don't know about Brendan, so I got a chance to talk to him about his process and what he does. Um, but first, let's check in. Uh, it's Sunday night, super late. Uh, well, it's like midnight. Uh, I've been working all weekend because Hyperlite Drifter comes out on Thursday um man let me tell you about some of the stuff that happens i guess on a really big game like this at the end uh, a lot of it is like uh really small things like bug fixes and just playing the game over and over and making sure that we're not missing any things that we haven't made any mistakes uh but also like kind of fun stuff that is a little laborious but uh for example i spent most of today plotting the map in the game So like i'm a huge rpg nerd i love world maps uh, and I spent most of today manually plotting points on our map uh, because Hyperlight is very handmade. Uh, we don't have like a procedurally generated world or like a map that auto detects where you are. Uh, I have to take this beautiful illustration uh, that Alex and Kazuma, our artists, have made uh, of the world, our big world map, and manually for every area in the game, of which there are hundreds uh plot like what x and y position you are at on the map if you were to open it up and it's going to tell you you are here uh so that's like a lot of labor took me like eight hours i guess but it's kind of fun like uh i'm a geek for world maps so it's fun to think about exactly where i want your little character to be standing if you are on a bridge um or different places in our game and i want to kind of i don't know make you feel like you're in the place um But, again, it's kind of like finishing work. Um, I think I said on episode one uh, that I was going to dance this weekend and try to get away from the desk. I didn't really do that. That was some bullshit. Uh, I have a a habit of being optimistic about things like somehow working a lot and also having a social life. I think we all do that a little bit. Um, And it's hard, man. Uh, It's hard to work on weekends for me, uh, or at least at night. I tend to work on weekend days because it's something that I do. But for some reason, my value system tells me that I'm supposed to be out. Like I just really like uh, going out, going to bars and, and clubs and dancing. That's just like a thing that I like to do because I don't know, I have the energy for it. But um, yeah, so it's hard to be working on like a Saturday night. It feels totally different than a Wednesday night for me, even though it's, Effectively the same thing or it can be the same thing right Especially when you're in indie games and you can set Your own schedules and stuff there's still Days that feel like you're supposed to be doing Something else so I don't know Um Uh great reception to episode One thank you for all of you who have Listened to the first episode if you haven't Maybe go back and check it out uh I explain Who the hell I am and Why I'm doing this uh what this podcast Is all about uh but I did get some Questions that I wanted to respond to Uh Which is, I mentioned that a lot of my guests uh, are going to be friends of mine, or people whom I know. Um, I mentioned this on Twitter to a few people. And I kind of just wanted to talk about that, because L.A. is a really big city. Most cities are pretty big. uh, Too big for one person to really get a handle on. So, me and making a podcast about Los Angeles, I have a limited perspective. Uh, But I do have a very specific perspective, and one that I try to share. So... With a lot of my guests and the conversations I'm having, I'm looking to talk to people who I know well uh, about the parts of their lives and their creative processes that I don't know well, to try to use them to kind of extend my understanding of a video games scene that I love, and to reach and like get a window into parts of the scene that I don't know. Uh, if you're not from Los Angeles, I can kind of give you a quick rundown. This is a very bad rundown, but... We just have all sorts of stuff going on in different parts of the city, and it's a very horribly planned, spread-out city. Uh, where I work with Heart Machine uh, is inside our co-op Space Glitch City. That's on what we call the west side of LA. There are uh, a bunch of indies there. Uh, there's also a lot of big AAA studios. Naughty Dog is there. Sony Santa Monica is there. Riot Games is there. Make League of Legends. Activision is, is there. Um, there are some studios in what we call the Valley which is where a lot of the Hollywood studios are now. Uh, Insomniac's over there, Disney, Warner Brothers, some of the Hollywood studios that also do video game stuff. And then we have a lot of other big game companies that are technically in around LA. Uh, Blizzard is in Irvine, uh, which is not really Los Angeles, but you could consider it close. Like I will meet people all the time who live in Irvine. Uh, Infinity Ward is nearby. Respawn Entertainment, uh, Obsidian, Treyarch. Um, and I don't know a lot of these people. I I, I try to reach out. I try to uh, use our place, Glitch City, since we have a space, to welcome people into it. But with a big city like Los Angeles, it's really hard to convince people to come very far. Like I hardly leave my immediate, uh, I don't know, eight-mile radius. So we tend to kind of form into our own little bubbles. Uh, we do our best to understand what else is going on, but... That is one of the things that's interesting about LA is that there are tons of game developers who uh, I've just never had the opportunity to met. Like I've never run into someone who works at Respawn. I think I did at the airport once, but that's about it. So yeah, uh, that's my terrible understanding <laughs> of Los Angeles. But what I do understand is a certain particular area in and around Hollywood, West Hollywood, Culver City, where we are, that has a lot of film, has a lot of actors and music stuff and a lot of the center of the business that's happening uh, and some of the West Side video game things I mentioned. So, like, we have a bunch of friends uh, at Naughty Dog and Sony Santa Monica and Riot. Um, that's sort of our immediate vicinity around the, the indies on the West Side. Uh, but if you do live in Los Angeles, please reach out. Um, you can reach me on Twitter at TeddyDeef or you can reach uh, playscape at idlethumbs.net if you want to send me an email. Uh, yeah. So that's that's a little summary about my life. If anybody has any questions, let me know. Um, but I want to get into sharing the conversation I had with you, uh, or with Brendan Chung with you. Uh, Brendan Chung, like I said, is an indie developer. He works at Glitch City, which is the studio that houses many game developers uh, who are indies, Heart Machine included, Heart Machine being the studio that I work with on Hyperlight Drifter. Drifter. Um, Brandon, you might know him as Blendo Games, uh, both on Twitter, and that's just the name of his one-man game company. He used to be in AAA. He used to work at Pandemic Studios before they closed, based in Los Angeles. And then he did the indie thing. Uh, he made a bunch of games you may or may not have played, but I would encourage you to. Uh, He made uh, Flotilla and Adam Zombie Smasher, which are both sort of interesting narrative-slash-strategic games in their own right. Uh, And then he had a couple of games uh, that were more of a first-person narrative vein. So he made a very short game called Gravity Bone and a follow-up called 30 Flights of Loving, which are both on Steam and and really wonderful games. Uh, I'm a really big fan of them. And now he's currently working on a game called Quadrilateral Cowboy, which is a sort of first-person hacking game. It takes a lot of the first-person narrative stuff. He does super well and makes it a little bit more systematic because you actually carry around a laptop and write real code to make things happen in a sort of heist scenario. Uh, And it's set in this world he calls 20th century cyberpunk, which is super rad. Uh, Brendan is really interesting to me because uh, he's really well-versed in film, which uh, is very fascinating for a game developer... To me, especially in Los Angeles, uh, you can see a lot of his influences uh, in the games he make. He has like a very particular aesthetic, and you'll probably hear me talk to him about that a little bit. But if you play his games, they all sort of—he uh, has admitted they take place in sort of the same world. Uh, and Brendan's games just have a—he feels like an auteur. Like you know that you're playing a Brendan Chung game. Anyway, uh, I am rambling. I would love for you to hear more from Brendan Chung. So let's do that. Let's get into my conversation with Brendan. I'm glad to have you. I mean, we spend a lot of time together around Glitch City, but we have like rare occasions to talk about whatever it is that we have on our minds. Um, And I guess I wanted to start with like, I find your routine really fascinating to me and I get to observe it. So like uh, I would ask you to elaborate on it, but um, I see that you seem to me as someone who is like very bad about keeping hours to be very good about like when to come in, when to leave and how to structure like your work in your day. Do you feel like, do you have a way in which you do that? Like do you have rules for yourself?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of is that way because it started from a very, very, very different place, which is like when I first began at Pandemic Studios, I was the person that came in super early and left super late. And I was just bringing the midnight oil every day, and uh, it was kind of from that experience. I mean, it was very educational, and I like I learned a lot from it, uh, but from that, I kind of learned like, oh, maybe I should not
0: do that were you like that before you went into video games or was that kind of fueled by your like the fact that you'd gotten a job and your passion
1: yeah i mean i was like i was the young pup and i was like oh mm. i gotta i gotta get going on this whole video game thing um and yeah i was just like devoting every ounce of my energy to this thing um when you so you spent a number
0: of years in AAA. um working on on a bunch of titles. And then when you went indie, did you, when you went full-time indie, mm-hmm. did you carry that with you? Like when you started indie, did you immediately have really bad habits that you kept through?
1: Yeah, so so things came in waves. So when I first began working at Pandemic, I was like pretty awful with my time. And then I got really good. I was like, I'm going to come in like exactly when I should come in. I'm going to leave exactly when, you know, the, the, the bell rings. Uh, I got, you know, the exact eight hours, whatever it is. Um, it's like, okay, I mean, yeah, I'm really good at doing hours now. You know, I'm not, I'm not just like hanging on the office all night long. Um, so that was great. I was really good at it. And then when I went independent, I became super awful again. It's like, oh no, I'm just spending like every waking minute and weekend and just every ounce of my energy again, doing this video game thing. Um, and now you're seeing me at my other end of the cycle. It's like, all right, I'm better now. (laughs) You're bitter or better. You're better. I'm better now. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I feel like there's a um there's a a thing that happens or at least happened to me when I went indie, which is that you think that you don't need policing. Like when you're in a real job, you feel like it's up to you to like defend your hours and defend your your work life balance. Cause there's a lot of discussion of of AAA like milking time out of people in an unhealthy way. So my my understanding when I went indie was like, I don't need that anymore. Like I'll just I can control my own hours. And then I realized that I was really bad at that. Was that the same for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, what do I have to gain from working less hours? I'm just hurting (laughs) the game at that point, right? And that was like the mindset I had for a very long time. Like, I am my own boss now. If anything goes wrong, it's my fault. Therefore, every minute that I'm not working on my game, or thinking about my game, or doing something tangentially related to the game, I am just making the game worse. And so that was kind of like the the thing that drove me to just destroy my own body.
0: Now, you have other things that I've seen you do that aren't like that are beyond just controlling your hours. Like I know that you do a regular you do a regular dev stream, right? Right. And that's like you do that every morning, you do it at the same time and for a certain amount of time? Like is that regimented?
1: Uh yeah, I mean, when I haven't been doing it recently, but like when the when I'm working on something that is interesting to look at and I don't really mind being spoiled. Um, yeah, like I'll get up at, i would get pretty early in general. So I'll start the stream around 830 and I'll stream for like an hour, an hour and a half. Um, and it's a nice, like easy thing you do in the morning to get yourself out of bed. Is that why you do it? Is to get yourself out of bed? Kind of. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, cause like I know that I want to go to glitch later today, uh, later in the day. And so I was, glitch city is a shared work, shared office that we use. Um, and I don't want to, like, come to Glitch way too late. So, like, yeah, I'll do it right in the morning and get it out of the way. Um, and so, yeah, it is something that just kind of gets me out of bed.
0: That's super interesting. I Like, I've played with dev streaming, and I wonder about why people do it. And usually the the impetus for it is, like, is promotion. It's like, well, I need to stream because streaming is a new thing, and that's how I should promote my game, or it's one of the suite of ways I should promote my game. So did did you start the stream with just the intention of, like, this is just a hack to get me up and moving? Or like did it become that
1: uh it was originally like a promotion thing of mm. like I don't know how to get people to know that I exist, um mm. and I need a way to do that, so I was like, all right, I'll just do this really low cost stream thing that's I'm gonna be making a game anyways. Why not just turn the video camera on um but what it ended up becoming was this weird thing where the same people kind of. Mm kept popping in. It's like, hey, Brendan, good morning. It's like, hey, how's it going? And we would like, they would we would start talking and like the same regulars start coming in and in and again, and again and again. And it became this really cool thing where it became much more beneficial for me to develop while live on a camera. It was mm. like, you can't goof off and go to Twitter or read your email And you have this like super intense two hour period where it's just like you're getting the most work done in your entire life.
0: Like entertain the people with this code you're doing,
1: kind of. And it's like it's kind of that thing where I thought they were learning from me, but in fact I was learning from them. It's like it kind of became that because uh, the people who came in would always have this different perspective that I would have that I wouldn't have if I was just by myself.
0: So they were actually telling you things that you were picking up.
1: Yeah, and it was awesome.
0: When did you start doing that? Were you doing that? So like I I, I know it is like the quadrilateral well, I call it the quadrilateral nude cast. I don't know why I do that. Um, but it has another does it have a name or is it just your streaming?
1: Uh I don't think it has an official name, just quadrilateral cowboy development. <laughs> okay. And were stream. you did you start the habit of
0: doing this morning stream when you started or like sometime during QuadCow? Or were you doing it previously?
1: No, it was during uh quadrilateral cowboy development. Okay. So this is interesting.
0: I want to talk about this with you in particular, like uh, of the people at glitch city, um, which, which you mentioned already, like uh, is our shared workspace. Um, I remember coming in and I, and we started glitch before, before hyperlight drifter started. So like I was uh, at sort of a different perspective at the time as like a, um, I'd made a couple indie games, but I was in a very different place. And my perspective was like, Oh, Brendan's one of our big dogs, like Brendan's one. You know what I mean? I mean, uh in the best sense of the word like brendan has made games that are out on steam that i've played and other people have played and so like i'm I'm trying trying to figure out how to ask this because i want to get into this like for the
1: record i don't consider myself a big dog yeah 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 i don't i don't
0: (laughs) (laughs) i don't mean it in like a captain of industry or a mogul or a lex lutheran sort of way i just mean like um when you do the cast, like, hmm. I don't know. Do you ever feel like? Do you ever feel um, when you're doing your streams, when you're doing development, or when you're at conferences? Like, um, has the feeling changed for you of being independent from when you started releasing things? And and you could one could say like you had less notoriety as a developer, and now like
1: how has that affected the way you feel about your work and like, or does it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it has changed. Um, I mean, when, when, when you first start doing something that you've never done before, anything you do is like a miracle. It's like, <laughs> oh wow. There, you have no expectations and you did something. Something's better than nothing and you did it. Mm. Um, but then once you, at least for me, like once I, I, I ship, uh, a few titles, and I think that now it's kind of different in that I have I have certain expectations for myself now, and other people have certain expectations for me now. Um, I mean, in a way, Quadrilateral Cowboy is a little bit of a response to that, in that I traditionally make very, very short games, and <laughs> so... I thought, you know what I, I tried to not repeat myself over and over again, so instead of making instead of making another short game, I'm gonna try to do another I'm gonna try to do a longer game and see what happens. Um, I mean, what's happened is that it's taken four years of my life <laughs> so far uh, but which was something that I would not have uh, learned otherwise, so I'm, I don't have any regrets about doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean I just now things are different in that now. Um when I do something, I don't I kind of am not coming from that blank slate mm. place. Now I'm coming from a place where I'm like, well, I did this before. How am I going to respond to that? Or how am I going to um move on and move on from that?
0: So is that so you're what I hear from that is that like you're striving for variety. I mean, I know there's like you of of developers that I know like have a great like you have a great aesthetic consistency. I remember listening to uh, the podcast interview you did with Steve Gaynor when he did tone control, which I listened to because I was like, I'm going to do podcasts and I don't want to like retrace other people's footsteps here. Um, but you you guys talked a little bit about like the consistent world that your games take place in and how that's something that you dig. Um, but like you, you're saying that like you strive for variety in terms of the experience you're providing or like, do you feel like an onus to do something different for for what reasons?
1: I think for me, it's important because, um, I think it's very easy to get good at doing one thing and to feel kind of trapped into thinking I'm good at, I'm really good at doing this. It would be really foolish of me to do anything else because that would just be kind of like burning away all the experience. Hmm. Like if I'm really good at making racing games why would i decide to make a dating sim because that's so different from what i've learned from making driving games um and for me i want to be the person that makes a driving game and then makes <laughs> a dating sim for the next game cuz there's something about that that like i don't i my pers- my personal like quest is to just cover every genre and to just like try to see what can I do with this thing? Um, I think partly because for my, you know, for my own development as a developer, but partly because it's just, there's just something funny about it. And, (laughs) you know, you can't, I can't deny that. I just think it's hilarious to just try doing weird things.
0: So it's funny to you because what you'll produce in different genres is, is, is like surprisingly unlike what people would expect. Is that where the comedy comes to you from?
1: I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I never really thought about where the funniness comes from. I mean, I think it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you see someone go out of their comfort zone and seeing what they do. Like I love, I love it when like, um, a newscaster gets a cameo as like a funny role in a movie and like, oh my God, that's Tom Brokaw and he's being funny. He's going to like, I want to see what he does when he tries to be funny. And I I can't stop watching. That's like a... I'm like a moth of the flame for that. So it's almost like you don't feel like... You feel like wherever you started or
0: wherever you have... Like you've done this sort of like first-person narrative thing with Gravity Bone and 30 Flights and, and Quad Cow is a much more mechanical game. But like... Um, you're saying that like you feel like you've been typecast at this point and you want to like break the type? Uh,
1: I I feel that that is a very strong danger. Because I... Like for me, I grew up my entire life playing um Doom and Quake and all those first person games. Like I got my um early experience just making mods and maps for Doom and Quake and Half Life and Duke Nukem Three D. So like first person genre is uh is incredibly near and dear to my heart. It is buried into my soul and I love okay. that stuff. Um and that's kinda why when I first started Blendo Games, I made Flotilla, which is like a third mm it's like a turn-based space strategy game which has absolutely nothing to do with first person <laughs> storytelling because i was very scared of like oh i don't want to just like i don't want to dive to the center of the earth of the first person genre that mm. hard i want to at least try different things before i do that
0: i think that's cool like i i i try to do that but i'm also still trying to claim like my what are my influences and how do i congeal them into what my thing is but so you, but after Flotilla, like you know, ultimately, like you have come back, or there was a time where then you kind of pulled back and you did do this first person thing. So did you feel like it was a little too far out of your comfort zone, or like why did you come then back into first person right after that? Do you think?
1: Um, I mean, I kind of walked back into it because of the um, uh, the Idle Thumbs Kickstarter actually. So the Idle Thumbs is a podcast, and they were away for a while and then they came back. And when they came back, they did a Kickstarter. And one of the rewards for the Kickstarter was a small video game. And so they reached out to me and said, hey Brendan, are you interested in making like a, a small little thing for us for our Kickstarter? And I think Adlephone is awesome. So like I made a little, a very, very short first person game. Mm-hmm. Um and so I kind of I kind of stumbled back into that because it was Uh, something that I felt that I could do, that I felt was very comfortable making because Mm. first-person stuff is just something that I have done for a very long time. Um, And it was just like a prototype that was Cardi. Like, already had pieces of it done already. So it just made sense to like, well, I might as well do this thing that I'm super comfortable doing Um, and just kind of went from there.
0: So it was the time constraint where you were like, I need to go back to what I know because I want to do this quickly and like,
1: Kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think people have this kind of notion that creative projects are always coming from this place of like, oh, I have this grand master vision to make this beautiful thing. But honestly, a lot of my design decisions are just like, well, because of this technical reason, <laughs> this is what we're going to do. Well, that's, that's, that's funny because when we were talking
0: about scheduling, it's uh, it, we were talking about this sort of correction of the idea that you don't have to schedule yourself when you're indie, that you don't have the same problems. But this sounds a lot like, the The temptations for big studios to make the same sorts of games, like the studio that makes Forza keeps making Forza because, like, that's what they know. And it's funny that, like, I feel that same thing. Like, we're we are finishing Hyperlight Drifter, and I'm like, oh, like I don't, I don't want to keep making this game, but I'm so good at making this game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a hard temptation, right? Because, like, I mean, purely business wise. You're kind of foolish to not do the <laughs> same thing over again. You're kind of like all that accrued institutional knowledge that you've gained. You're just kind of like burn it all away if you decide to make a dating sim. game, it's game's like, well, all right, we're just gonna do that now.
0: Yeah, is that the di- the the danger of being your own business person? Maybe is that like you put on that hat and you're like, well, like our cash flow would be better if I made another Blendo Games first person narrative thing like do you ever did you ever, like have you struggled because i know from and, you, and correct me if i'm wrong but that like one of the things that you're trying to do or wanted to do with quad cow is um make a game that is more mechanical that has like more than 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 uh walking and experiencing story and like you wanted to have like very you wanted mechanics and systems so, like and you wanted to start leaning into that so like yeah have you doubted that along the way at all to be like did it feel like an uphill climb
1: or how has that process been for you yeah, I mean this is this has been the most difficult project that I've worked on. Um it is probably not a person that I'm sorry, it is probably not a project that one person should be working on. <laughs> it's it feels like a project that multiple people should be doing. Um But yeah, it it has been an uphill climb. Um but I mean I guess that's that's just part of the 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 joy of just jumping around to doing something you haven't done before is that um I feel that when I feel that I will have no problem just doing the safer, more business-wise choice when I need to cross that bridge. Or like right now, all of my games sell well enough that mm-hmm. even if Quadradile Cowboy sells no copies, I'll, you know, I'll probably survive Mm. Um, and so while I, uh, while I do have that extremely fortunate, while I, while I am in this very extremely fortunate position, I might as well, uh, try something risky and see what happens. Mm.
0: So there is sort of a responsibility to the risk taking that you're taking.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, but what do you mean by responsibility? Well, I mean like.
0: It's it's responsibility within a, bu- uh, a not a bubble, but like within a space of safety, where it's like there's a point at which you're not going to burn the house down to make this game. Uh-oh. Like like you know that you have you're in a position to do this, and so you're doing it.
1: Yeah i I am actually extremely um, careful about that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I want to be making games for a very long time, and so for me, sustainability is something that I think about very often. Mm. Um, like when I make a game or when I make a creative thing, I kind of walk into it assuming no one's gonna buy this. Uh I'm not gonna sell any copies. And if no one buys this, will I be okay? And if the answer is yes, then I'll continue doing it. Mm. Um but yeah I am not the kind of person that will, you know, sell my house and sell my car and uh um burn down, sell all my possessions to make one thing. I don't know. I think it's kind of the thing where it's like, you th- I sometimes think about that. Like, does that make, hmm, how do I word this? Does that, does that make someone lesser of an artist if they're not willing to just burn every single position of their life? I kind of don't think so. Mm. I, I mean, I, when I see someone whose work that I really like I want them to make more of that work. Like, I don't want hmm. them to make just one thing and then uh, live in a cupboard box the rest of their life. That's that's. I don't want that to happen. I want them to like to make one thing and like, oh, I really like your, the thing you made. I want you to make more because I really enjoy your work.
0: Yeah, well, there's something to like sustainability of work, and and I wonder about that too because like I often feel like it's easy for for, for probably everybody to feel like I'm not enough of an artist or like anytime you have an excuse to think of yourself as like a commercial or like, uh, not, not artistic enough that it like starts to pang at you. But, but I would agree that like there's a space between, yeah, I'm here to take risks and I could probably be making more money doing many other things. Um, but within the sphere that I'm in, like I want to do this. It's funny, like living in Los Angeles, I always hear, or I've always heard from, like, actor friends uh, where, like, the prospects are very grim, that it's like, you want to, you have to need to act, and if you can picture yourself doing any other career, then you should go do that. You know, th- there's this feeling of, like, you have to need it, or it's just, like, you're going to bail out of this business. It's not going to work for you, baby. And and maybe that's true of games, but but I don't know.
1: Like, do you... Do you have a bailout career? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I guess kind of the nice thing about video games is that it kind of like touches so many other fields. Like, there's a lot of art. There's a lot of audio. There's a lot of, um, uh, you know, writing. There's lots of, um, I mean, programming. Uh, I mean, programmers are, generally speaking, they're never really out of work. There's always a demand for programmers. Um, But, I mean, I, I find it hard to imagine doing that because i love video games so much do you feel like
0: um this is something i was thinking about recently is that uh since our medium is relatively new since our industry is pretty new it's hard to find like people whose entire careers you can look at like people who you might respect or idolize or view as an influence on you or an inspiration to you in video games are probably still well in the middle of their careers whereas if you look at other media in our city you see like film, and there's people whose entire careers you can look at, like hmm. I wonder about that because it's hard to find people to model like do you have anyone who you want to model yourself after in terms of like your suite of works that you do or the sustainability of your work or, or is is anyone whose like career trajectory you've looked at in any field and been like that's that's kind of what I'm going for,
1: yeah, so the way that i the way that I generally make games is I don't really have a plan going forward. I'll just start, I'll prototype something really quick and dirty. I'll see it moving on the screen. And that kind of leads to the next thing and next thing and next thing. And that's kind of the way that I treat my career, I think, is that I'll just like I'll just go forward. I'll just do it. But I don't really have this overarching um vision for where things are going, where I'm gonna be. Um so yeah, when when I think about like, are there people whose um, lives that I kind of try to track? I kind of don't think I do because I just kind of, for me, I just kind of like deal with things as they come up. Mm. And you like it that way? I think it's just what I'm used to. <laughs> that's what's worked so far. Um, so yeah, it's hard to imagine doing otherwise. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, you're also very like.
0: Um, you're very unique in that, or not very unique, but like you are unique. Uh, you work (laughs) solo, almost predominantly solo. So like, how is, is that a struggle for you? And like, are you tempted to go bigger? You and I've talked about this a little bit before because like, I am always tempted to grow. I'm always tempted to work with bigger teams and you seem very satisfied working solo and like, that's something that you like. But like, what are there ways that that grows difficult for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, I think I did. I mean, I started that way because it's just on a business level, it's just easier to just deal with yourself and not other people. Mm. It's cheaper. There's less communication overhead. You just start moving really quickly. Um, And I think that I've kind of gotten used to it, and I liked it a lot. Um but then at some point uh Quadrilateral Cowboy got a bit too big for me to handle so I brought in um one of our glitch city guys yeah. uh, Titan Wales. Um he's now working with Steve Gaynor and the Fulbright crew on Tacoma but yeah we worked Ten and I worked together for about 6 months on Quadrilateral Cowboy and that experience was really uh eye opening cuz like I was I was pretty adamant. i like, Oh, I'm just going to do stuff for myself. I like doing it. I have total control over what I do. Um, but bringing in another person, um, especially Tynan, who's like, he and I are very much on the same wavelength on design and aesthetics and things like that. And it was this experience where it's <laughs> like, Oh my God, we can do so much and just everything feels possible. And like, you're not, you're not two people. Like when you, Put two people who are on the same wavelength, you kind of become like eight people, and it's this amazing <laughs> feeling um, so yeah, I mean that is something that I do want to go back to um but what made, like what made you make the decision to start working with
0: Tynan like did you hit did you hit a ceiling or like what was the wall you hit where you were like okay i'm I, I'm gonna stop doing it this way, I'm doing it a different way I'm gonna yeah. try this.
1: Uh, Quattro Cowboy was having some, um, it was kind of hit a wall. Mm. Like I was just getting kind of stuck on some things. I couldn't kind of figure out how to go forward, and I didn't really know what to do. And, um, I was thinking, ah, oh, it would be really cool if I had someone to bounce ideas off of, someone to do, someone to like kind of take the weight off of some of the design work, um, so that I can work focus more on you know programming things like that. And I was like, ah, I don't know I don't know how to go forward with this. And I think that was at um Indiecade and Steve Gaynor was visiting. Steve mm-hmm. Gaynor is um uh, one of the developers on Fulbright. And he mentioned, you know what, have you thought about working with Tynan? Because he and Tynan had worked together yeah. on Bioshock too. And uh and I realized, oh my god. Tynan would be awesome for this project and he's right at glitch to the also so this all yeah. just lines up um so yeah it, i just i just hit that wall and it was getting another person was kind of the perfect way to get out of that hole it was super
0: cool from my perspective seeing that happen because, like i remember the you guys like announced it one day <laughs> i don't remember the circumstance but it, it like it was tandem it felt like uh Felt like a like an engagement announcement. It was like everyone, there's an announcement uh, starting today. Like Tynan and I will be working together, and everyone's like, "Oh, congratulations! It's so wonderful."
1: Yeah, I remember it. It was great.
0: <laughs> so, it. so, did, um, so you guys like Tynan was a glitch, and you guys knew each other already. Um, so what became like your your work habit together? Like, what what did you have to change when you went from solo, Brendan? We went from Lone Ranger to Lone Rangers.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a... Uh, so the engine that we're using to make our game is the Doom 3 engine. Of course. Uh, the Doom 3 <laughs> engine is from 2006, and it's it's pretty old. And so it's... Well, first of all, it's amazing, and I recommend everyone uses it because it's really good. Um it's a free open source engine it's really good um uh, but it is pretty old and so the documentation and support for it is, is has been whittled down pretty hard mm. um so definitely bringing on another person is very much a process of uh uh of like you, i think i had this vision it's like oh we're just going to start running immediately just start yeah. cranking out levels i was like no it's like you got to like there's a lot to learn and making levels is very difficult. Um so there's a lot of learning about how to use tech. Um there was a lot of uh I think what worked the best for us was that um so Tynan he took the bus into work. So he was just sitting on a bus for like maybe half an hour or so. And whenever he was sitting on the bus, he would write notes in his notebook of like mm. Wouldn't it be funny if Quadjata Cowboy had da-da-da? And then basically he'd come in with basically gold just written <laughs> on this page. And I would like, oh my god. And he would always preface this with saying, like, Well, Brendan, don't do this idea. But <laughs> And that's when you know you should do it. Exactly. It's like, it's yeah. It's like oh yeah. Because um, like so much so much design meetings would become all about like you start talking about stuff or you, know, you know talking about design and like how we should implement things. Yeah, but then like maybe three quarters of the way in, you just, like you kind of like get tired and you, you start getting kind of loopy and kind of punchy. It's like wouldn't it be awesome <laughs> if you know we did this where you see the camera and like you know it's a third person camera but you actually see it <laughs> uh, and then. But the, the nice thing about doing an games game is that, yeah, you can do these ideas, and I, in my opinion, I think they're the best ideas. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you guys had a good.
0: Th- was it an adjustment then? So, so then uh, left us and left Los Angeles, and uh, we, we forgive him. But, <laughs> but he we, we went up to Fulbright in, in Portland, right? So, yeah. yeah. Did, did you when you readjusted? Like, what was that? Was that a smooth process for you, or like, or uh, did you have to change?
1: Yeah, it was it was really good because um 'cause like I mentioned before, when you bring in another brain, another really, really good brain, you feel invincible and you feel like anything is possible. Um and then when that person leaves, you kind of become one person again. Yeah. Down from eight. And you kind of become, oh, wait a minute, I gotta actually ship this thing. And so it kind of like Um, all the stuff that was developed, it kind of crystallizes down into all right. Here's what we can actually really do, and what we cannot do. Yeah. Um, and it kind of like put the game on this very clear track of what it should be. Um, Was is that
0: because you reached a point where you were like deep enough in production, was like time to time to finish it, or did it like you just
1: got like like serious,
0: like let's get serious about this?
1: Uh, I think I think for me, what we're The way that I can tell when a game is kind of like uh feel done is when just enough uh it just kind of reaches a point where you'll play through it and it just kind of like you just kind of feel it. It's like, well, it feels like this feels like a complete experience now. Mm. Um there's enough like art assets and textures and design and levels that it just feels like an experience. Um and so by that time the framework of the game had just been enough work had been done Mm. that it just felt like, okay, I could see someone playing this thing. So it's like, yeah,
0: it feels to me like an, like it's an uncanny Valley between this is a shitty prototype that I made that I like and that can be a video game, but it's totally not a video game. And anytime someone plays it, I have to hold their hand into like, this is, this is a video game that somebody (laughs) made. It just happens to be me. And now I just have to like finish, do whatever it means to finish it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, games exist as a amorphous blob for a very, very long time. Uh, for my, for most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I remember. So okay, uh,
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna steal your wisdom for me, like in a really selfish way. Mm-hmm. So we're finishing Hyperlight, and we're close. And I feel every day like I have no fucking idea if this is going to be good. Uh, or, w- like, where it's at, if it makes any sense. And we've had people play it. You always have people playing it and stuff. But it reminds me of when I first moved to Los Angeles, I did what you should do when you're in Los Angeles. So I went to a screening of Forrest Gump. Not everyone needs go to go to a screening to of Forrest Gump, but you go to screenings here. It's like a thing. Um, and there was an interview, it was a Q&A afterwards, with uh, the director, Bob Zemeckis, and Tom Hanks, and they were both there. And somebody asked them, like, when did you know that it was going to be, like, Forrest Gump and they're like, we had no idea <laughs> until like weeks after release where like reviews were coming in and people were watching it that it was like resonating with people. Like you've been through the release process uh more times than I have. I've done it a couple times, but like do you like do you just ever know? Do you just ever know if if it's good before
1: it's out? I mean something I ask other creative people always is, like, um, do you actually enjoy the work that you make? Mm. Like, I've always kind of been curious, like, when you think of a really good movie, and you ask the filmmaker, do they actually, like, enjoy that movie? It's like, you know, uh, and I I kind of find it hard to believe, at least, maybe I should just speak for myself, but, like, for me, so I can't... For me, as a developer, I know where all the bodies are buried and I know where, like, where <laughs> all the all the bugs and all the flaws and all the um missed opportunities are like Adam Zombie Smasher um people kind of think of it as oh it's just like zombie game you drop bombs on people uh and I think what some a lot of people don't know is that there was this really huge meta game Layer on top of it where it's like you have a global map and you got to like move soldiers from this territory to that territory and build laboratories, and it was just scrapped like wholesale. (laughs) And so, when I see Adam Zombie Smasher, I think, oh, it's that game where I totally screwed up the metagame, yeah, but no one knows that until now, but But, yeah, but
0: like, you've got to like, what's the point where? So, I would argue, like uh for me like 30 flights is like a beautiful experience and like enough people have probably said very positive things to you where like at some point you have to internalize well like i can't see through the bodies like strewn across the battlefield of development but but it worked for them so like there's a point at which you understand this thing i made is 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 resonating with other people like Uh, can you remember when that happened like do you know that and like (laughs) like you did it how when did that happen if it did at all that you knew like oh i made this game that like people care about and and that means something to some people or whatever
1: yeah i mean i guess for me that's kind of the way that is the way that i enjoy my own work um it's not through myself it's through other people and so when someone else says like oh yeah i i liked um pretty much loving it was really fun um that is the only enjoyment that i can get <laughs> from that work um i mean i mean when you make something it's it's hugely uh great as a developer it's like you learn a lot um but it's a process of kind of like oh you you made this thing you kind of birthed it out <laughs> and you threw it into the world into the wild um and so it can be hard to see where the goodness is in it um mm. but for me it's when other people kind of approach me it's like oh yeah that was really cool um i get a lot i get a lot out of that Have you ever had
0: the opposite like have you ever had the opposite where it's like you make something? maybe this is like earlier in your career like you make something and you think like people are gonna dig it and then they <laughs> don't <laughs> because i because i feel like the the adage is like oh you always like you know oh don't self-loathe like people people will appreciate your work if you're doing good work and like um I wonder. I don't know. I'm trying to think if I have, but like if you if you had something could, like at any stage where you're like this is cool and then you're like oh you had yeah. the opposite thing.
1: Yeah, when I was really young, I was making Doom maps. I thought <laughs> I was amazing. This was like 1995 or something. It's like, "Oh my god, I'm because at that time I was I think elementary school, but I was trying to do like storytelling stuff mm-hmm. in like first person games. I was like, oh my god, I'm going to make this really cool sequence where uh, you pry open a door with a crowbar, um, and it's like, no one's done crowbars before, <laughs> this is going to blow their minds. Um, but then what happened, when, like the actual implementation bit was, you go up to the door, and you press the use button on it, and the door opens up. Yeah. And it's like, oh my god, this... And like, people were <laughs> like, oh, this feels, kind of feels like a bug. It doesn't really feel right. I was like, oh no, don't you... And I was like, okay, well, okay, I guess I'm not the Mm. genius that I thought it was.
0: There's like a a point in the curve of getting better at something, right? Where you like realize that you're not as good as you think you are. I think so. So, okay, wait, I want to step back because Mm -hmm. like I am very curious. Uh, I want to like dig into your your habits a little bit more. Like what's, do you have a routine? Do you have a daily routine (laughs) or don't you? And like, what is it like? What time are you up, start start like there, like what do you do?? Yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah I kind of have a routine. Um, I get up around you know somewhere between seven and an eight, um, not because I want to, because my body just won't let me uh, until later yeah, you're one of those. <laughs> I'm one of those people, uh, and then I'll you know de- do email or maybe play a game for a couple hours, maybe mm. um, then go to Glitch City what time
0: uh, what time where are we now
1: yeah maybe around i will ride my bike to Glitchy around eleven thirty or so, so it's like a half hour back ride okay um uh yeah, do some work, lunch around twelve forty, and here's where it gets important mm. is that you gotta take your afternoon nap around uh three p m or so okay, yeah, the post lunch nap.
0: Um, so that's like a that's a rule for you. Do you always do nap? Is that like
1: I'm big on nap. <laughs> I think they're very important. Um, I think they're fantastic for like if you are stuck on a problem. I think the best thing you could do is either A, take a walk, take a shower, or take a nap. Ooh. And for me, I can't take a shower and walking <laughs> kinda of hot outside sometimes. So I'm saying, all right, I'll do the nap.
0: You're forced to take a nap. So I would take a shower at work, but there's no <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great. There's no appropriate place for me to
1: shower. It'll <laughs> be frowned upon, yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. And then so you're there, so you're getting in like at the same time ish. You've played some video games, you've done your stream. Mm-hmm. Um, when
1: do you when do you call it? When do you decide the day's over? Um I'll add one more thing. You gotta have your afternoon orange also. Got <laughs> a bag of oranges around four or five PM. Um, but for calling the day, it's around, uh, somewhere between six and seven. Okay. And then you just so
0: I love this about you. Yeah. You just leave. (laughs) What's the alternative? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Like, like you, you just like, like it's sort of the, the whole self-management thing. Like I kind of know when I want to leave, but maybe I won't. And then like I'll kind of linger and then eventually just get up and go. You seem like it's just like check the watch. (laughs) close the laptop, put it away, and then I don't know you're leaving until you're like you go, "Goodbye everybody." <laughs> and then you just you're just gone. Yeah. What like is that because you hit a wall or is that because of like a regimen? Is that like I need to I should stop?
1: I think things are easier when you take that decision-making process out of it. Mm. Um like if you don't need to figure out when to leave, it's much easier to leave because you just, well, it's so-and-so time. It's time to go and that's it. Like there is no thought process and it's just easier to do it that way, I think. It's like producing yourself, sort of. Yeah, it's just making a hard rule. It's like, um, it's kind of like we, we talk about Pomodoro mm-hmm. technique sometimes. Pomodoro is this thing where, uh, it's this working technique where you work for 30 minutes and during those 30 minutes, you cannot do anything else but work. Like you can't check your email, no Twitter, no TV, no uh, fooling around, nothing. You just do nothing but work. And then once the 30 minutes hits, then you do five minutes of you know all your goofing off. Um, and for me, what I like about that is that there is no decision-making process. There is no decision-making process like, should I work or should I check my email? It's like, no, mm. there's nothing like that. You just do nothing but work stop deciding there is no deciding you just do nothing about work and so for me like when i leave it's just like well it's so-and-so time i don't want to think about whether i want to leave or stay so i'm just gonna go
0: did that get better for you when glitch city came to be in your life like before that were you working at home or would you do the same sort of regiment at like a coffee shop or something
1: i was working from home and for me i it worked okay for about um i don't know three years or so Mm. But then like around the 3 year mark, ooh, it got really bad. I was just not seeing sunlight for long amounts of time. I was losing track of what day it was. Ooh, okay. I'd go for like board game nights and they say like, "Oh, Brendan, it's it's not Wednesday, it's Tuesday." It's like, "Oh god. <laughs>
0: this is bad." I have the internet and I couldn't even tell.
1: <laughs> uh so getting glitchy was definitely yeah. very important for getting out of that.
0: So, okay. You leave Glitch City at whatever six or seven or whatever. You get on your bike, you go home. Then what do you do? <laughs> do you have like a regimented? Do you have like a regimented home life?
1: Uh no. Okay, no. You know, I'll go take a class. I'll go work on some side project. I'll go cook something. But yeah, not, I don't really have a schedule after
0: that. What are your like? What are like your side things? Like, I don't want to say hobbies, uh-huh. but maybe hobbies. Like, what what is your non-video game making stuff? In your like in your de- in that's a regular thing for you.
1: Yeah, uh, this is actually something that I struggled with uh, for a while, and I guess to some extent I'm still struggling with is that um, video games was my hobby for yeah. a pretty good chunk of my life. Um, ever since like elementary school, I would make you know mods and maps for things, um, and then once I started working full time at Pandemic. I was still trying to do games as a hobby mm-hmm. and it kind of destroyed me <laughs> because <laughs> you cannot I learned the hard way that you cannot have a day job and a hobby be the same activity. As much as I wanted it to work, I just just was destroying myself. Like what happened? I kind of stopped liking video <laughs> games for about six months. <laughs> uh like i once I realized that my day job was my hobby, I like, Oh video games there's something about that relationship where once the thing that you love is something that you do for a career uh or for your paycheck um the relationship kind of gets flipped somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't quite know how to explain it um but yeah that was that was very uh that was a very strange experience um but in terms of, uh, I think what I do now, it's kind of like uh, a lot of like, I take a lot of drawing classes. Um, I'm messing around with a lot of uh, physical things like Arduino, microchip parts, mm. things like that. Um, uh, I kind of came, so like, like drawing and physical objects, is kind of came out of something that I think about sometimes is that you kind of hit this point where you realize when you make video games all day long, you're the things that you make are not tangible. Okay. Like, I can't hold a video game. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of when you when you think I think when you think about it for too long, it kind of makes me flip out because like, oh my god, everything I do is just digital bits <laughs> that <laughs> exist that don't you can't see so, all like... yeah so you seek out like
0: something physical as a balance to that then
1: yeah yeah i think so it kind of just organically happened
0: But yeah okay and that's still so how are you in terms of like are you are you a homebody like like do you are you cool with being at home a lot when you're not working or do you like get the hell out like what is your what is your life like as it relates to the city of la outside of glitch and outside your apartment
1: yeah uh I think I used to be I think I am a homebody, but I think I used to be much more of a homebody <laughs> before I glitched city. When I say much more I mean like magnitudes more. Mm. Um but yeah, uh having kind of a, a community of friends has really uh been beneficial for me, I feel. Do you interact
0: with people like I actually this is something I I'm curious about with everyone, because I don't even always understand it myself, but it's like who are you like Are your closest friends video game people? Do you like, or who is it that you are like, that is a big part of your life that is or is not in games? And like, what is, I don't know. What's that circle of people like for you? What's your constellation of of human beings?
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah. I mean, for me, I, I've spent, um, a lot of years working in video games. So for me, like all the people that are close to me are people that I know from my video game life. Um, Either from my days working in the pandemic or people at Glue City nowadays. Um so yeah, I mean, uh Yeah, we're doing it, people definitely.
0: Is that does that fold back into the like does it feel dangerous to you? Like does it does it feel like more video games or is it like I mean I think that people are not only what they make of course so it's not like well i can't talk to video game people because i am a video game person i make video games all day and these people are just video games to me but i mean like is that something you think about like at all i mean i think about that sometimes especially in la because like there's this idea that like there's a big city out there and there's so many things happening and there's different types of people doing different things and like yeah i don't know do you feel that pressure to diversify no
1: definitely um i think that there is this kind of um I mean, it kind of becomes... You kind of risk entering the echo chamber, right? Yeah. Where it's like the things that I believe will just further get ingrained even deeper and deeper and deeper if mm-hmm. I just hang out with the people who are on the same wavelength as I am. Um, And I think that there is like a certain... uh, I can see that going in a bad way Um, if you like dive really, really deep into that. Mm. Yeah, I can see that.
0: Well, it seems like you... When when you have organized activities that uh with with people that they're not like let's but they're not all let's play video games
1: right yeah yeah I have a, a deep love for film so I, I try to do as many movie nights as we can <laughs> yes you recently made us watch oh uh, was the what did we just watch Dancer in the Dark ah uh, it's a wonderful movie it's it's, it's a, such a special movie. <laughs>
0: It's a terrifying movie.
1: It's a movie that kind of like, you don't know how it got made. It's like, how, how does something like this exist? This thing is so not what you expect. And it's so uh, like, who gave money to this for this to be made? And it's like, I'm just so glad it happened though. Because like, how does that happen? It's like, wow, it's great. Maybe much the same way that anything we make gets, gets made yeah it's exciting (laughs) it's really good so
0: cool man well like how are you feeling about things and quad cow like uh i won't i won't pressure you for like release timeline because whatever but but like do you know what you're going to do next do you have an idea of like how you're feeling about like the immediate future what are you looking towards
1: uh yeah yeah um Yeah, so the game is actually going extremely well. Um, Like the game has been, (laughs) I actually did, some time ago I did a a tool that looked at my um, uh, source control check-ins. So what Mm -hmm. source control is, is um, um, I guess you can think of it as like a cloud that you upload all your game files to. And so it's like a backup. And so I was looking at, I made this tool that tracked what time of day was I checking things in <laughs> and how often and things like that? I was kind of looking at my previous projects and thinking, like, oh, okay, I kind of I work a lot at nighttime sometimes. And then this project, I kind of worked in the daytime for some more. So oh, interesting patterns. And I was looking at uh, Quadrilateral Cowboy. And the pattern that I saw for this game was um, all the previous games were kind of like a giant mountain. It's like you start off kind of slow, then mm. it ramps up, then it kind of slows down. Sure. Watch Cowboy has been like a series of very craggy mountains <laughs> <laughs> where like one this month I'll like be extremely prolific and then I'll just kind of like, it'll just suddenly die down for some reason. I don't mm. remember why and it just does for some reason. And then it'll just suddenly pick up again and become like really intense and then it'll stop again. So really stop and go traffic. Um, and so development has been very, you know, hit and miss for a while. Um, but it's finally hit a point where we were talking about earlier where you could play through the entire thing and it just kind of feels like, oh, it suddenly is a video game now. It's not this gooey mess anymore. Mm-hmm. It's kind of formed this shape. You kind of like see what it is now. Um, it kind of is trying to do something now. Um, yeah. And so the game kind of feels like it's at a point where uh, it's very close to shipping.
0: Yeah, it seems to me close too. So like do you think do you start thinking beyond that, or does that make you double down on thinking about like, cool, it's so close, let's yeah. do this. Like, do you do you get wanderlust?
1: I, I'm actually pretty bad at um uh keeping my wanderlust in check. So what I have is this Google document of uh-huh. I don't know the number, but it's must be like two hundred stupid game ideas that I want to do before I die. And I'll just, I just can't stop writing this stupid document. It just keeps growing all the time. Um, so for me, I always have like several projects that I want to do next. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm pretty bad at that actually. <laughs> I think that's not bad though. That's
0: just like, you need something dangling. You need like a reward for finishing your game, which maybe shouldn't be working on another game,
1: but... but. <laughs> um. But yeah, I I don't know. I would, I have some game ideas I want to do. I have some non game things that I would love to. Well, we'll see how Quadra Cowboy does. If it gives me time to do other things, I would love to do that also besides just video games. But do, we'll you think,
0: see. do you think you would ever like just stop making games and do another thing? Like, would you become a filmmaker? Would you just pivot, for lack of
1: a much better word? Uh, yeah, I I I do love film. Mm. I studied film in college. I have a deep love and appreciation for just watching movies all the time. Um I think what what kind of I mean, I love video games also. And what kind of scared me off of film was I had this realization that I don't know what to do with a film after I've made it.
0: What do you mean? Oh, <laughs> like, like, like how to
1: like how to sell it? Like how do I feed myself and how do I put a roof oh. over my head? Because video games, like, oh, okay, you put it online mm. and people's, you know, they put credit card information into a form on the website, <laughs> and uh, I get to eat food. But then, like a movie, like, how do I? I made this thing. What do I do with it? And that's kind of the thing that I have with a lot of creative things. Like, how do I? How do I? You know, make a living off of this thing? Yeah. Um. I mean, money is not the most important part. Of a creative endeavor, but for me it's like I want to be able to make a living. I want to, you know, live comfortably.
0: You want a foot planted in the idea that you like that you'll be able to finish it and that you'll be able to do the next thing.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um and so for me, like, well, video games make sense. Um I love doing it and I know how to <laughs> make a living off of it. And that's like the Venn diagram that I've been looking for. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I mean, I'm looking forward to quad Cow.
0: I'm looking forward to a, a maybe someday a film by Brendan Chung or Blendo Films or whatever. <laughs> I think you can do it. Um, but yeah, man, uh, thanks for talking to me.
1: Cool. Thanks, Eddie.
0: And yeah, that's Brendan. Uh, I'm really glad that I got to talk to Brendan around this time in my life and sit down and do that because... You can kind of tell from him he just feels you know I know nobody has it together but he always seems so composed and so on top of stuff. He feels like such a like a real grown up in the best way. Uh and I always love spending time with him cuz he has like a very grounding quality when you're around him and I think that comes through in the conversation. I hope. Um so yeah, uh I will talk to you gang later this week. Uh, another episode coming later this week on uh, Thursday morning, which is the same day that Hyperlight Drifter comes out. So, oh, we are gonna be working. Um, but uh, w- yeah, we send out copies to the press very soon, which means the game kinda will be done. But then we'll probably just do a few more sanity checks, uh, and we just yeah. W- at this point, we're just crossing our fingers. Occasionally having weird conversations about what people will say about the game, what they'll notice, what they won't notice, uh which is sort of a fool's errand because we don't know. This game is I think pretty big uh for better or for worse. Um I'm a huge proponent of valuing people's time, so it's not bloated, it's not too big. Like I as someone who makes content for the internet, this podcast included uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know how fucking important time is. It's the most important thing that you have. Uh, and even as I'm recording this right now, I'm staring at my timer being like, oh man, I don't want to take too many minutes for the outro because these people have to get back to whatever they're doing or get on to the next podcast in their queue of endless podcast episodes that they have on their app. Um, yeah. So I I will continue to try to be very respectful of your time on this podcast and I hope that we are respectful of your time with Hyperlight. I feel like it is exactly as long as it needs to be and no longer. Or at least that is what I shoot for with almost everything that I make. Um and I think I think uh there is a pressure to make lots of gameplay in video games. I think that's dying out a little bit. I think that people are coming to respect shorter and shorter experiences. There's less of a stigma for, um, people saying like, oh, I want to get my money's worth. So I want at least 20 hours of gameplay. Um, I think that's still something we fight against. Video games are still very much positioned as a product. I won't go into that, but yeah, I, uh, I'm a proponent of things being as long as they need to be. Uh, so <laughs> in the spirit of that, uh, I'm going to shut up and let you get back to your lives. Uh, I want to thank, again, Chris Remo, who gave me the rundown on how to publish this podcast. So now we are officially up and running uh, with me recording and publishing all by myself. Uh, thanks again to Jake Rodkin and Lily Nishida for the art uh, for the show, and to Omniboy for letting me use his music on the show. Uh, if you're wondering, people have been asking, Omniboy's track Jolly Pop, is is what I use on the show here. And we are done. Uh, If you want to contact me, ask questions, say I'm doing okay or not okay for whatever reasons, uh, if there's anyone you would like to see me talk to, I will do my best to talk to them on the show. Uh, You can email me at playscape at idlethumbs.net, or you can tweet at me at teddydeef, T-E-D-D-Y-D-I-E-F. You can also tweet at Brendan Chung at blendo games on Twitter. That is the show. Uh, You guys are so awesome. Thank you for your support. I will talk to you in a few days. Bye.